Dun 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 What if I told you that the Gulf Coast offense almost never had a name? That winning doesn't always come quickly. That sometimes you have to take a step forward, and then backwards, and then forward again, before you can get to where you want to go. That history has a way of repeating itself, and that patience pays off. What if I told you that year two is always better under Willie Tackard? All right, this is Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone, and if you're still listening, good on you. Uh, this is not 30 for 30, uh, but this is the beginning of a series that I, in all seriousness, uh, I think will be fun and enjoyable for, for our listeners. It's going to be a little bit of a different look at Florida State's football program beyond the perspective that Chris and Josh and I usually offer you guys. I'm going to bring in some different guests throughout the week to talk about the 2019 season for Florida State, but it's not going to be just straight-up season preview stuff. There will be some of that where we'll talk about FSU's new scheme, uh, some of the issues that plague last year's team and whether they can be corrected. Uh, there will be an analytical look at it. Uh, there will be perspective from a coach. Uh, but then we're also going to be talking about recruiting from some experts, um, guys who know some of these recruits personally and, and the guys who are turning the program around or are set to turn the program around. And, uh, and, and some people who have a familiarity with Willie Taggart in his previous work at, at places like USF and, and other places as well. So that's what this, this podcast series this upcoming week is going to be about. is is about Florida State, the, the past, the present, the future, and how it all kind of culminates into this season. And, and I'm going to start off the, the week of podcasts with a look at history and, and how that can maybe be a barometer to to seeing where Florida State is going. Uh, so my special guest today is going to be Joey Knight. Joey is the USF uh, beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, and he's basically, he aside from the first game of the, the 2013 season, he covered every single game under the Willie Taggart, uh, or in the Willie Taggart era at USF. So he has an intimate knowledge of Willie Taggart, uh, what his his ideals are in building a program, how he kind of executed those, how there was some slippery slippery footing uh, times where he almost uh, didn't make it to to the finish line at USF, to where he almost never got that 10-win season that led to Oregon job, which then led to the Florida State job. So Joey's going to talk about what went right for Willie Taggart, what almost went very wrong, and, and how that, I think what's important for you guys, how that applies to Florida State moving forward. Uh, Willie Taggart said it was about a month or two ago, and, and this resonated with me. It was at the ACC kickoff. Willie Taggart essentially said, "I've seen this movie play out before." When when talking about his past experiences at at USF, Western Kentucky, a lesser extent Oregon, uh, he has an idea of what it looks like to turn a program around. He's done it a few times now, uh, but it's a slow burn, and that's something that is easy to lose perspective on. I, I think I've lost perspective on it at times. This past year, because you're so in the weeds of seeing the things that aren't working correctly on the football field, you wonder how they're going to be turned around, whether Willie Taggart's plan uh, can succeed, 
And that's what Joey Knight's going to talk about is what that plan looks like. And, and he's here to remind you guys that when it comes to Willie Taggart and his history, and if we're using history as a guide, what, what, what I like to do, I like to use history as a way to, to define my opinions or at least help, help formulate them. Uh, if you're using that as a guide, Willie Taggart's history is pretty good in this, this area. And he reminds us that, that patience is a virtue. So uh, please, uh, please stay tuned. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then ding, Joy Knight will join us on the bench. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, as promised, I have a interesting voice, someone with a unique perspective for you guys, and that's Joey Knight. Joey Knight is the USF beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times. Joey, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this. It's been in the work for, for about a week now, so uh, I think it'll be interesting to to look at one Willie Taggart's first year at, at FSU and and kind of apply it back to his, his tenure at, at USF. Joey's background for you guys is... So you know he's he covered USF since 2013, and that was Willie Taggart's first year. Uh, you know Willie Taggart, I guess, came on a, a few months before Joey did, but he got to cover the entire Willie Taggart tenure. And Joey, uh, I'll give you the chance here to give give yourself a, a shameless plug if you want, uh, uh, where people can find your content and follow you on Twitter and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, we our website, as most people know, is TampaBay.com, and you can follow me on Twitter, TBTimes underscore Bulls. Uh, our our site is now a subscriber site, but it's like most news websites, you know, in the state. It's very very reasonably priced, and you you'll find fresh uh, USF content there every day. And, and for that matter, uh, for, for most of our state schools, uh, uh, FSU, Florida, Miami, uh, Matt Baker, who's our state colleges reporter, and myself um, make it make it a a habit to to post fresh content daily like like most people so for a very nominal price you can go to tampabay.com and get a get a good comprehensive synopsis of not only USF but you know what's going on around the state and uh, and I'm a big fan of supporting local newspapers I that that's where I cut my teeth and and came up through the industry and arrived here at Knowles 24/7 was through through uh, the Orlando Sentinels so I'm I'm a big fan of it and uh Matt Baker is, is stirring uh, stirring the pot right now as far as the UF fan base is concerned. So so Florida State fans can can give a little bit of a smile there for for that one. But I saw Joey was out at out at FSU's practice uh, in Bradenton this past week. And and before we get to the USF stuff, maybe let's start there. Joey, like, what are your thoughts on 
what you saw from from that you know brief window of of Florida State and uh, what did you think about the first year of Willie Taggart and was there any kind of I guess resemblance from what you've seen you know with his pattern at, at USF. Well, what I saw in the brief window when I was out there Tuesday is kind of emblematic of the overriding concern for FSU in 2019. I watched the offensive line during their individual drills where they were just lining up, you know, five at a time and, you know, just kind of blocking air at the whistle. And I think four consecutive times somebody jumped off sides. <laughs> right, which, right. Like I said, I, I think is emblematic of the of – the, uh, big concern for FSU going into 2019. You know, I, um, Willie, in my opinion, ha- has recruited well. Uh, some people, I'm, I'm sure, believe he could recruit better. Uh, obviously, he has, a, you know, some quarterback depth, whereas a few months back, you know, he had zero quarterback depth. Now he's got some people in that room who played, uh, you know, besides James Blackman. So, you know, I think FSU fans should feel comfortable or a little more comfortable in that regard. He's obviously got a very talented tailback. So, you know, uh, and Kendall Bryles, I, you know, I covered mm-hmm. USF when they went out to Houston last year and Houston rung up 59 points on him. And what, you know, just what, what Kendall's able to do with that veer and shoot, that breakneck tempo, whatever you want to call it, it has been effective pretty much everywhere he's been. So you can't help but presume that things are going to get a little bit better this year, but I mean, Brendan, you've been around long enough to know that, you know, the success of a football team really kind of begins and ends with the strength of the offensive line. And right now, you know, that's just, that's everybody's concern. And, you know, we have to wait till, you know, week one against Boise state just to see how, how glaring that concern is. Right. That, that week one game is uh, the wait and see moment because while we're hearing reports of the offensive line looks a tad better, in preseason camp and, and there's some reason for optimism with Kendall Bryles and Randy Clements and and the scheme that the FSU wants to implement and you know the, the pie in the sky thought is that okay you know that can can negate some of the deficiencies that you have up front um yeah until we actually see it at Boise State because like what you alluded to Joey is that you know guys were jumping off sides I remember that was in our, our practice report that there's about you know four or five examples of that in a very brief window and they were ramping up tempo but the big concern with the offensive line last year was that you had a few guys like Jawan Williams. I'm not want, I don't want to pick on him, but him specifically was a guy who, when he had one issue, one turnover, or sorry, one you know one false start, or you know, something bad happened. Uh, you know, there was one misstep, and and it just snowballed for him. So yeah, that that's a wait and and see moment. But I, I think as we look at, so you got the chance to see Willie Taggart and kind of where the the program is right now, and it's still very much so TBD at Florida State. That kind of, to me, I think I think could resonate. Willie Tiger has talked about this before. I think in this preseason, saying something amongst the lines of, "I've seen this script play out previously. I've seen this movie before," and that was referring to times at at Western Kentucky and 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 I think maybe more importantly USF. Uh, so, for the context, maybe share what what year one was like for Willie Taggart, and uh, that wasn't a thing of beauty either, correct? At USF. Correct. And you talk about, you know, the turnaround that uh, that Willie orchestrated at USF. That also came with a heck of a lot of turnover, turnover in terms of personnel, in terms of coaches. And we've kind of seen that at FSU so far. You know, we're already into our second offensive coordinator and, 
you know, obviously there's going to be some turnover in personnel. So, you know, the, the, the conventional rule of thought, it takes about three years for us for a coach and a program, you know, to really get its footing and really get in a groove. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I subscribe to that. But in the case of Willie at USF, you know, that turnaround, it took the third year when they went eight and five and really start getting going. It took a heck of a lot of starting quarterbacks, experimentation of that position. It took a lot of turnover in the coaching staff. It, it was, you know, I, I don't think drastic is too bad a word. Now, will it be as drastic at FSU? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, but I can tell you what Willie inherited there in 2013 at USF. You know, I, I don't mean to, you know, pile on any of those guys, but that was one of the worst assemblages of, you know, football talent I've ever seen at the Division One level, at the FBS level. Willie went through four starting quarterbacks that first year. Matt Floyd, Bobby Evel, Stephen Bench, and finally Mike White, who – um. I believe it's still with, you know, on the Dallas Cowboys roster, mm-hmm. but there were just, you know, there was just a lot, a lot of experimenting and, a, you know, just a lot of things they had to go through to get to the point where they were competitive and good by year three. So yes, Willie has seen this play out before. Uh, I, I think FSU fans would hope it, it's not, you know, not as drastic as what he had to go through at USF because by the time they got to year three, Brendan, 2015, they were on their third offensive coordinator. They were on their second defensive coordinator and they were on their, I think, let me make sure I'm getting this right. They were on their fifth starting quarterback because by that time, Quentin Flowers was the guy. So, you know, you, you wouldn't expect that kind of much drastic, uh, overhaul at FSU, but but it happened at USF because for whatever reason, Willie's predecessor Skip Holtz did not recruit the Tampa Bay area very well, or did not have success recruiting the Tampa Bay area very well. I, I you know I counted it a number of times. I think you could count on one hand the number of guys from a Bay Area high school that were on the roster that Willie inherited, and of course he made a concerted effort to really try as hard as he could to put a fence around Hillsborough, Pinellas, Pasco, Hernando, Manatee County, and, you know, really made a concerted effort to recruit that area. And he did a very good job of that. And I believe that was a big key to his turnaround. But yeah, it took, it took three solid years. It took a lot of experimentation. It took a whole new offense. It took new offensive coordinators to get to that point. So it was, it was hardly a, a, a smooth, uh, transition to to get from where they were which was horrible two and ten in 2013 to eight and five in 2015 and and i know yeah that willie taggart's reputation he he had a good one coming from western kentucky and certainly as a recruiter and ties to that area you mentioned him putting around the fence and that all kind of fits together putting around the fence around you know the the tampa and and pinellas and and that whole region of the gulf region of florida Uh, but but did he Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, he, he didn't experience failure in consecutive years when he was at Western Kentucky. It was kind of a slow start and then got them turned around pretty quickly. USF, it was a slower burn. You mentioned the, the talent issue wasn't great. Uh, it sounds like the culture wasn't necessarily all that great, too, at USF. So it took a little while longer. But I, I guess for you covering him, did, was there was there question or, or people wondering around the program, you know, at boosters, administrators, whatever, whether Willie was the right guy for the job because, uh, you know, they weren't expecting for that, I guess, that that slow start to be maybe quite as 
as long as it, as it actually was. I don't, I think the questions came uh, later. Uh, initially, I think people uh, understood, you know, you know, the, the fans who really followed the program closely understood just the bankruptcy of talent that Willie inherited and how that would take time. Uh, Willie had to adjust the culture. I can just remember, you know, we used to do our interviews that first year before practice. So we would see the guy coming out, walking out to the practice field. And, you know, key word is walk. They were walking out there. And you would hear coaches out on the field already say, come on, guys, get out here, hurry up. And finally, um, Willie even put up a sign. like a, It looked like a street sign right at the entrance to the practice field. And I forgot exactly what the wording was, but it was like no walking zone or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, just to, just to try to convey, you know, his culture and, the, you know, the culture he wanted to convey on the practice field. So the talent, adjusting the culture, everybody knew that would take time. Where, where Willie had people questioning him was in the system he was running. He, as you, we all know, he's a Jim Harbaugh disciple, a Jack mm -hmm. Harbaugh disciple. Jack Harbaugh was his coach at Western Kentucky, and, you know, Willie kind of, you know, people consider, you know, Willie like that third Harbaugh son. That's how close he is to Jack Harbaugh and to, and to Jim and John Harbaugh. Uh, and we all know that at Stanford and to some degree at Michigan, Jim Harbaugh runs that, you know, a more conventional style of offense where you try to run power, you, you know, two tight formations play action stuff. And that's what Willie tried to install and bring to USF. A lot of pre-snap stuff, a lot of pre-snap adjustments. And that's where they had a real problem with that. They were one of the, if memory serves, they were one of the most penalized teams in America that first year, just because, and a lot of it was false starts, just because so much shifting in motion before the snap and people ultimately, you know, kind of question, hey, is this kind of system, do we have the right personnel to, to run, you know, what we're running? And after a couple of years and about four quarterbacks, Willie finally changed things up. You know, he kind of went to where college football was trending, and that's just, to, you know, to a spread, up-tempo, no-huddle type thing. He finally found his, his quarterback in Quentin Flowers, who showed up as a freshman in 2014 from Miami, a dual threat extraordinaire, wasn't the biggest guy in the world, didn't have the greatest arm in the world. So a lot, he's one of those guys a lot of people were recruited to play at other positions, but Willie promised him he could play quarterback. And, you know, he put Quentin in uh, when he, when Quentin won that quarterback derby in 2014 preseason, that's when they started to go to a more high tempo offense, more of a spread type look, but still, Something was missing in the fact that it was still kind of, kind of rigid. Um, you know, and, and forgive me, Quentin won the uh, quarterback derby in 2015 preseason. He, he started a couple of games late in 2014, but it was right. 2015 when he really became the guy. But at any rate, when Quentin became the guy and, you know, they started going to this spread type thing, it was still kind of rigid. Like it was almost like a paint by numbers thing and, Quentin didn't have the freedom that he wanted to, you know, just to, to improvise when he needed to improvise, or he just felt tentative about trying to improvise. And it still wasn't clicking. And things didn't really click until Willie brought in Joe Canan, his old coach at 
Manatee High School in Brainston, who won a mm-hmm. ton of state titles, who would always run an option-type um, system at Manatee. He brought in Danny Hope as his offensive line coach, who was another Joe Canan disciple, who had been the head coach at Purdue. And when those guys came in, things just kind of started changing. And, you know, the rest is history. But, yeah, going into that 2015 season, he had replenished his talent adequately. He had he had what he believed was a good quarterback. But there were people kind of just questioning, why aren't things clicking? You know, they started 2015, one and three, and we can talk about when things turn around. But at that point, people were saying, you know, it's not working. Some, something's wrong. Is Willie the right guy? Is he in over his head? And, you know, things again, you know, game five of 2015 is when, when it all turned on a dime, you know, we can talk about that, but yes, to answer your question, I went a long way around, you know, short answer. Yes. Even by year three, there were people wondering if Willie Taggart was the right guy for, uh, for USF. To your point, Joey. So I have the numbers in front of me. USF goes two and 10 in year one under Willie Taggart. And then four and eight, four and eight in year two. And then you mentioned the slow start in 2015. Now Florida's or sorry, USF finishes. I'm going to almost say FSU a couple of times to get those uh, confused throughout the podcast here. But, but so USF finishes eight and five in 2015 under Willie Taggart between that slow start. And then the eight and five finish uh, was that Syracuse game. And, and that's something that you've documented on your website before. And, um, you know, that was and Willie Taggart talks about that as being the, the, the turning moment for him and, and him kind of having this realization as a coach to kind of open things up and, and completely entrust Quentin Flowers as a, as a person, as much as a quarterback and kind of let that guy just do what he does well. Uh, But, but leading up to that game, uh, and then we can talk about the results after and how things change and, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if that game doesn't happen, uh, there's a very different narrative and story arc and career arc for, for Willie Taggart, right? I think if they lose that game to Syracuse, which was game five of the 2015 season, I think Willie Taggart is fired and wow. we're having no conversation about him being the, the coach at Oregon, much, much less FSU. Uh, yes, I, I've chronicled that before. That is when everything changed. Uh, about a week before that game, they were one and three. They had just lost a, um, a Friday night game to Memphis, 24 to 17 again. You had Quentin Flowers at quarterback. They were in allegedly a a more high-tempo type of offense, a more spread-out thing, but it just still wasn't clicking, and Quentin kind of looked like a robot in the backfield, just not doing what people believe Quentin Flowers was capable of doing. And at that point, they were one and three, and I had people in the building over there at USF telling me, hey, if he loses one more game, he's fired. They're going to make a change. And – what happened was, and it's you know been told many times about a week before that Syracuse game, Willie had his his skill guys over to his house for for dinner, and some guys who had played, some of those guys had played with Quentin down in Miami, played youth football with him, had played either with him or against him at the high school level, and they said, Coach, you just got to turn Quentin loose, you got to let him do what he did in high school, which is what made him great, just you know. You know, take the handcuffs off, for lack of a better term. I'm paraphrasing there, but just turn him loose. And Willie goes up to Quentin and says, hey, Quentin, these guys say I should turn you loose. And Quentin just kind of corroborated and said, yeah, coach, just let me do my thing. And Willie said, okay, this next game I'm going to turn you loose. 
And that game, uh, I remembered a warm Saturday afternoon against Syracuse at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, we saw Quinton just improvise. Uh, uh, we saw a couple of gadget plays. They scored 45 points. It was like it was a completely different football team, completely different than what we had seen the first, you know, two-plus seasons under Willie Taggart. It was like a com- just a completely different regime. And from that point on, you know, they won seven of their last nine games in 2015. They made a bowl. And 2016, you know, one of the most uh, – was the most offensively prolific season in USF history. They scored 569 points. That was a school record. They averaged 7.2 yards a play that season. That was a school record. Um, they, they, you know, they gained over 6,500 yards. As a team, that was a school record, and, and they went 11 and two. And so, you know, that was all Quint. That was Quentin Flowers running that the Gulf Coast offense, which it came to be known. You know, just having the freedom to improvise and use his legs whenever he felt necessary. And you know, it was for USF fans, it was a glorious thing. So, you know, just between that Syracuse game and you know 2016 when Willie left for Oregon, that's that's. 17 wins in, in Willie Taggart's last 21 games. He didn't coach the bowl game in 2016 because he, he got the job in Oregon, but mm-hmm. Willie, you know, won 17 of his last 21 at USF. And to this day, to this day, a lot of USF fans think that uh, he owes part of his salary to Quentin Flowers for saving his job. But by the same token, you got to give Willie credit for recruiting Quentin as a quarterback when a lot of other schools had no interest in him playing quarterback and for just allowing him, just giving him the freedom to do what he did. So you got, got to give Willie some credit there. And, you know, I remember, I remember against South Carolina, that bowl game, the Birmingham bowl, you know, USF won in overtime, 46 to 39, I believe was the final score. Uh, Will Muschamp went one of those guys who recruited Quentin for another position, you know, went up to him and said, Hey, I, I made a mistake, you know, <laughs> in the way I recruited you. You're, you're a heck of a player. Wow. So, you, know, uh, you, you got to give Willie credit for just, you know, allowing Quentin to come to USF, playing quarterback, allowing him to do what he does, which just changed the whole trajectory of the program and of Willie Taggart's career. The, the fine line to me of coaching is, is truly incredible. Like uh, Florida state fans, Joe will have a similar conversation with, with Jimbo Fisher uh, and Jameis Winston and, and you look at you know, sure. Jimbo's career trajectory. I mean, before Jameis, you know, they got to 12 and two, but couldn't get over the hump. And then after Jameis, we we saw how things went. Uh, but during those two years where Jameis Winston played, uh, it was a perfect it was a, a a perfect fit for Jimbo Fisher's offense. And, and Jameis saw the field in the way Jimbo wanted him to. And it sounds like uh, I, I'm hearing a lot of similarities in the way you're talking about Willie Taggart and and Quentin Flowers was a, a perfect you know a perfect fit. A match made in heaven. Uh, whereas the coach, I think, you know, you, you maybe don't get credit is because yeah, the player has to go out and execute. But but to your point that you said, Joey, is that uh, Willie Willie freed things up for Quentin Flowers. And I know I've, I've spoken with Quentin before about that. Quentin is really really internally grateful, like for for Willie doing that for him. But but that goes to Willie's ability to adapt and to change, right? Like that's what I was viewed as a strength for him coming to FSU and. And a year into it, it's like, okay, is he changing too much? Does he have you know conviction? Uh, and that's that catch twenty two. But when it works, when you find the right thing, 
that seems like a strength for Willie Taggart, that he's willing to adapt and change and, and get a read on his personnel. I don't know if a lot of coaches do that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's a great point. And, you know, like we talked about, to get from where Willie started at USF, which was just, you know, just a, a pathetic situation, just a no-talent team to 2015, took some mix, mixing and matching, took some experimentation, took some trial and error. And it, that very well could be the case at FSU. I don't think it'll be that drastic because he inherited a, you know, a pretty talented team at FSU for the most part. But, you know, um, it, it could require that. It re- could require some trial and error. And, you know, we're kind of seeing that right now, just how much trial and error it, it requires and how patient FSU, you know, will be with him. That remains to be seen. But it was not – just a smooth straight line at USF there, there was some there, you know, like, like we said, there were a lot of changes and adjustments and mixing and matching before they got from two and 10 to eight and five to 11 and two. So I, I you know, I guess what we're talking about is, you know, kind of preaching patience and, and, you know, giving the, giving the process, a chance to play out. You don't, you don't hear about patience and due process much in, in college football, you know, with the, um, you know, in, in the microwave mentality, wanting things now, but I'm just telling you the way it was at, at USF, it took time and it took trial. It took error. And, you know, that may very well be what's required at FSU. If FSU gets in time. And that's ultimately, you know, I think what, you what Florida State fans are are banking on and, and hoping for is that there's a parallel to what happened at USF at FSU is that you hope that Willie Taggart makes the correct changes. So we've already seen it with the offensive coaching staff this year. We've seen the schematic. Uh, I don't want to say an overhaul, but the defense looks drastically different uh, under the same defensive coordinator, uh, Harlan Barnett, than it did did a year ago. But I, I guess one thing that that this, so this is you know me going into year two covering Willie Taggart and. Uh, it's been interesting to see parallels on my end, Joey, like a, of, of what he did at USF. There's been uh, talking points that he's hit similarly uh, after a US, there was a USF game. I think it was in his first year where he talked about guys quitting. And right. uh, J- Josh Newberg went back and found that clip because, you know, he had obviously experience with, with USF's beat as well as FSU's. But uh, do, you, do you recall that? And because and, he ended up having that same type of speech almost after FSU uh, got walled by Clemson this past year. I don't know if you recall that speech off the top of your head, but I found that parallel to be interesting. It, it does seem like there's somewhat of a script that Willie's following here. Yeah, I, I do recall it. I wasn't on the beat. Uh, I believe that was Willie's very first game when they got clobbered by McNeese State, probably okay. the most embarrassing loss in USF history. And I remember that. And man. I believe yeah, I believe it was after that game that Willie said, hey, you know, we, we had some guys that, that quit tonight. And, you know, paraphrasing, he said, we got to weed those out and play the guys who want to be here. And, you know, these were all guys that Willie inherited, you know. And, you know, last year he was playing with a team, obviously, that a roster predominantly he inherited. So, yes, th- there are some parallels there. And it just, you know, I, I – I just mentioned it, you know, we're in a microwave society where people want results instantly, but sometimes, you know, just depending on the situation you inherit, it's a process and it takes time and it takes, you know, experimentation. And, you know, sometimes you're not going to hit on every single recruit. So you, you got to recruit that position, you know, all over again, you know, it's a process and that's what, you know, 
I think FSU fans have to be aware of. Willie has a great history of turning programs around. It's unmistakable. He did it at Western Kentucky, which was pathetic, which was really kind of considering getting rid of football when he took over. That's his alma mater. Same thing at USF. He took over a pathetic situation, but those things took time. At each school, you didn't really start seeing tangible results until year three. And, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll see uh, uh, an uptick this year at FSU, but you may not see things really rolling until some point in year three. You know, it's just, um, you know, it's just conventional thought. It takes about that third year to, to really, you know, for a coach at a new program to really find his group. And, and that's why I think for Willie, it's so big. I think people will understand if they win seven or eight games this year, I think that would really make the, especially if you hit that, I don't know why I think that eight win, maybe just it would mean who you're probably beating to get to, to eight and four regular season. I think that eight win mark would make the FSU fan base feel so much better because, uh, you know, you need to see show some kind of quantifiable growth to get to that year three, uh, to get to that third year where he starts. If that eighth win is against like a Miami or a Florida, especially, then you got right. to hang your hat on. Then people can say, okay, now we're going in the right direction. Right. I mean, even imagine last year, they're five and seven. If they're six and six and they don't blow a 20 point lead against Miami, how much different Willie Taggart is viewed uh, with just one win and not that people would think he's got it all figured out, but you know, the, the That's portion right. of the fan base that, that thinks he's incompetent probably isn't saying right. that because you have that win to hang your head on to your point. It, it, it's, it, man, it's such a fine line, this whole football thing. Well, Willie Taggart's career is a fine line. As we, as we talked <laughs> about during the podcast, Brendan, I mean, you know, he, he was, he was four quarters away from getting fired and, you know, just things turned on a dime for him. That that's, that's the nature of college football and college coaching, especially. I think that's a great point. You know, if they somehow hang on and beat Miami and then you just get to a bowl game and, you know, even if it's a, a nominal bowl game and they win there, just think of how close they are to seven and six and people are encouraged and saying, okay, all right, let's give it another year. We're making progress instead of, you know, people in the doldrums right now, five and seven can really do the job is he in over his head. It's just such a fine line thing. And, you know, that, that's a great point. And, and that's, I guess, where, when we look at Willie Taggart, and I'm trying to draw the parallels to USF as that, that glimmer of hope for, for my listenership, uh, the one thing I guess I get concerned about, Joey, is that USF is an FSU in terms of national exposure. Like when, when things go bad at USF, um, you can kind of, you have time, you have the local, you know, the local chapter, and you mentioned there were people inside that building that were saying, okay, you know, this is going to get really interesting for Willie if they lose, you know, that's a slow start in, in year three, not even midway through year three. Um, right. if, if this season doesn't start off well for Willie at Florida state, I guess I get legitimately concerned about, and I know Matt Baker did a, did a good article, uh, about a month or so ago, putting voices to FSU's financial issues. And I know it's something that we've had on the message board. It's not a, it's not a, a secret that FSU has financial issues, but then, you know, if F administration starts having to weigh, okay, what a buyout looks like if, if, if he's not one, the guy who's getting it done and two. Uh, this is where the financial thing becomes interesting. If season ticket sales continue to go down, if, if attendance isn't good for, you know, after a third uh, down season for the program and, and all, all that's obviously on Willie Taggart. Uh, but I just, I get concerned about how fine, again, we go back to that fine line. If things don't turn around and there's not quantifiable growth in year two, 
uh, what year three really looks like for Willie and how much patience he has to kind of have in that. What you defined very well, Joey, as a as a year where his his program really has traditionally uh, shown a lot of a lot of growth. Right, and you know that you make another great point too. You know there is a difference between USF, which is a Group of Five program, and FSU, where the stakes are are a little bit higher. And I I do think Matt wrote an excellent story about FSU's current financial plight and you know how it appears like they may not be able to afford to buy out Willie Taggart at this point in time. But yeah, you know, if, if they lose that opener at Boise State, then you got to start thinking, okay, how much will it cost us to keep him, you know, right. in terms of, you know, losing, you know, a season ticket base and using losing a single ticket base, you know, just people not coming to the game. So that's something that the administration will have to weigh. And that's why I think that opener against Boise State is so critical because, yes, we're, you're with the big boys now. This is power five. This is the, the, the window, the, the margin for error is slimmer. Everybody knows that. You, you may not have the same chance for growth and the same opportunity to make mistakes that he did in Tampa at, at USF, you know. So, um, yeah, th- this is critical. Um I, I think, you know, I believe having, you know, covered Willie Taggart for four seasons and, you know, just seeing how smart enough he was to surround himself with the right people to do, to run the system that fit his players, that was most conducive to the personnel on his roster, just to see, you know, how well he recruited, to see the culture he built, the admiration of those kids, you know, the, the admiration those kids had for him. I believe that given time, he will, he will be able to do the same thing at Florida State. I have no doubt. The big question is, which we've talked about, will he be given that time? Because the stakes are higher when you're talking about a place like FSU. Oh, and So you just hinted at a couple of these things. And this would be one of the final questions, maybe the final question. I always tell someone it's the final question and they end up having three or four <laughs> more. So, so no, no promises, but... Uh, you talked about some of Willie Taggart's strengths uh, just now. And, and so maybe let's dive into from your time, your experience, what you knew of him before covering Willie Taggart and then getting a chance to cover him daily for, for a few years. Willie Taggart's biggest strengths that you think have already kind of shown at Florida State. And and maybe the converse side of that is is some flaws or some shortcomings of him as a coach that have also kind of kind of become evident to this point, too. I guess what have you seen? reflectively from from USF and previously to, to now that kind of, I guess, match up to what you've known and learned about Willie Taggart over the years? One thing I have known is that, you know, he's endeared himself to pretty much, you know, all the guys who played for him at USF. I mean, you know, you're going to rub some for the wrong way, but what you generally see across the board is guys who, who love him, who love having played for him. Um, you know, who speak very highly of them well after they've left uh, USF. And you don't see that all the time with every coach. Like I said, you, you see a lot of coaches, not going to say burn a bridge, but rub some fur the wrong way on the way out. These guys that I've covered, you know, during the Tiger era at USF, you know, just generally really liked being around him, liked playing for him. And, you know, he didn't he didn't put players in a uh, in a positional box. If guys came to him and said, "Coach, I just feel more comfortable at this position," or or what have you, he um, 
a lot of times he, he obliged them. And a great example is Augie Sanchez, who ended up being the leading tackler in USF history. He arrived from St. Pete as a very unheralded uh, kind of two-way fullback linebacker guy. You know, Willie was running that pro-style offense at the time, and he made Augie a fullback. Augie could have very well transferred because he hated playing fullback. He was miserable. He went into to Willie's office and said, Coach, I just – this isn't working out for me. I just – you know, I don't like it here. I don't like the position I'm playing. I'm, I'm miserable. And Willie said, hey, I, I've got a plan for you. We're going to make you a linebacker. Just stick with the process. And the rest is history. Augie Sanchez is one of the most beloved players in USF history, the all-time leading tackler. We've talked about Quentin Flowers and, you know, how, you know, how everybody else in America seemed to want him to play safety or, you know, um, uh, you know, possibly even cornerback and, or tailback. And Willie, you know, said, hey, you come here, I'm going to let you play quarterback. I know that's your passion and, you know. Quentin Flowers is arguably the best player in University of South Florida history. So something I see about Willie, um, you know, is he, he has endeared himself. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to burn a lot of bridges with, with his players. The guys that play for him generally, you know, still love him, you know, or, or at least like him. And, and something else, you know, just from you guys, the media perspective, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't bear grudges with us. I was, you know, I was, you know, the kind of the, the the primary reporter on the beat, the largest newspaper, you know. So um, I probably covered him more extensively than anyone because I was out there every day. And there were times he got upset with me with something I wrote or a stance I took. And he would always let me know via direct message on Twitter. He would <laughs> always, you know, he would, never, he would never call me out publicly, but he would he would hop on Twitter on that direct message and, and blast me sometimes. And I would respond, but I'll tell you what, 24 hours later, it was forgotten. We were fine, you know, and to this day, I like to think I still have a very good relationship with Willie and, and a lot of those coaches up there at FSU who were with him down at USF. So, you know, Willie's a likable guy. I, I've never known him to bear grudges. And it just seems like the guys that play for him, you know, years after they're gone, you know, they still like him you know, or, or, or still remain close to him. So, you know, that, that's just, that's my perspective. That's my perception, my experience, you know, having covered Willie Taggart. And I lied. I do have, I guess I do have one more follow-up then. I I told you I would probably do that. Uh, When you mentioned a lot of guys that, that ended up leaving USF's program, you know, when they left, they, they loved Willie Taggart or or at least really liked him. There was a lot of respect. And I remember going down to, uh, to St. Pete for the, uh, the East West Shrine game last year. And there was a few guys, Quentin Flowers, Dearness Johnson, uh, a couple more that I can't remember off the top of my head. There was about four or five guys there and all of them yeah. were glowing over Willie Tag. I remember that standing out because that's a guy who, who left before their careers were done uh, and went somewhere else. And, and you don't always see that. I mean, a lot of guys at Oregon were bitter at the way Willie Taggart left and I guess different circumstances, but I guess, I guess for, for you and, and your time covering Willie, we see the end result, how guys really viewed him, and, and that's them coming off of you know, a 10-win season. When did you first see guys buying in to Willie? Uh, was it was it evident before that, you know, the run in 2015, uh, where guys were, were truly, like, buying into him? Because those weren't all his players, obviously, or the first two, two or three years. So I was curious, like, when guys started really showing signs, if not through wins and losses, of, 
not walking anymore in practice and, and believing in him? And, and when did that really start kind of resonating to you as reporters saying, okay, he's at least getting guys to, to, to buy into his vision? Well, you know, we, we talk about when we saw the change in the program, when everything turned around, it was that Syracuse game in 2015. Right. But, you know, as far as player attitude toward Willie, I never really saw like guys down on Willie because every time you would ask, you would talk to them, they would say, hey, Coach Taggart has a plan. He, you know, when he recruited me, he sat down with me and my parents said, you know, he had a plan and I trust his plan. Now, they never really got specific on exactly what the plan was. You know, I presume it was, you know, just like we talked about building a fence around the Bay Area, you know, keeping guys home and making this kind of like making USF, you know, the, the pride of Tampa, making it, you know, a program that, you know, that Tampa would rally around. I think that was all part of Willie's plan. But the guys just, for whatever reason, even when they were terrible, just seemed to buy in to what Willie was selling them, you know. And that, you know, you saw that from day one. And, you know, I'm really happy for those guys that it came to fruition for them in 2015 and 16. But well before that, in 2013 and 14, you know, you, you would get guys off to the side and ask them, and they'd say, hey, you know, Coach Taggart made this promise. You know, he has a plan. We believe in him, and we trust him, and, you know, we're going to see that plan through. And ultimately, they, they did. Um, you know, I've never been in a living room with Willie when he's recruiting a, a player and that player's parents, but he must do a heck of a job, Brendan, because, you know, that, you know those guys were sold on him from day one. And, you know, pretty much stuck with him through the real, through the really bleak time. So that, that's something that made an impression on me. He must just be a heck of a recruiter in the living room when, you know, when he, when he pitches his plan, because like I said, the guys just seemed to buy in it from day one, even, even when USF was terrible. All right, Joey, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for me. Was it fun for you? Absolutely. All right. Great fun. You know, I'm sitting out on my pool side here on an overcast day talking football. You know what? Can't get we're, any better than that. We're living the dream. This was this was enjoyable, really informative. And and I think, you know, again, as we try to paint a picture for what Willie Taggart's career was before getting at FSU and whether there are similarities, I, I think it could be informative. One, to, well, I think people go back, read some of Joey's work, even back in you know, the articles that he's written about the Gulf Coast offense and and the turnaround that Willie had in, in 2015. Like there, there's some stuff to kind of hang your hat on. And, and maybe if you're an FSU fan that, that is still skeptical about Willie Taggart to at least kind of see this is a path, this is a script to follow. Willie's been here before. So, Joey, thank you so much for your time, man. I, I really appreciate it, and I'm sure my listeners do too. My pleasure, Brendan, anytime.